what, what can I do for you, Rod? You just tell me what can I do for you. It's a very personal, very important thing. Hell, it's a family model. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. I just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Here it is. Show me the money. <laughs> the big money going to the big free agent out there on this free agency Monday. Artemi Panarin, it just became official to the New York Rangers. The term, seven years at an AAV of $11.64 million. Oh, what's his name? Paplinski? Bobrovsky! Of course. How could I forget you, old friend? Udavara, right wing feed, Duchesne, four, cannot stop him, Duchesne walks on it, what an effort, what a goal, Matt Duchesne cuts around John Moore and goes high on Halak. Welcome to Center Ice, my name is Mac, and next to me is Matt, so we have a lot to talk about, first of all, happy 4th of July to all of our American listeners and followers and everybody else out there, have a safe and fun celebration today and also Canada Day was just a few days ago we had a great celebration here in Ottawa as always and it's kind of it's funny how those are so close together as we celebrate both of them kind of I would say and uh, I mean first of all we have the draft a lot of stuff happened at the draft that I think was unexpected and the first thing I want to start with that's probably that you were probably thinking too, Matt, is the Detroit Red Wings, out of nowhere, select Moritz Sider. The whole draft floor, the analysts, the GMs, silent. Not sure I've ever seen that before. I don't think I've ever seen it quite like that. There's been times where analysts and the draft floor has been kind of stunned, but never like that. No, it was... And it came out of nowhere. There even, wasn't... He, even he was shocked. Yeah. It wasn't just everybody else. Um, so... The only time I've ever seen something like that, the only thing I can compare is the NFL draft, because that type of thing happens a bit more in the NFL where draft where there's a lot more players going. And, the, and let's be honest, of the drafts, I think MLB and NFL drafts are the hardest to predict because there's just so many players that are going into that. Right. Well, I mean... To his credit, Sider is one of the better defensemen in the draft, and Steve Eiserman is a pretty good scout. He has a pretty good feeling about him. I'm not going to doubt him. So he went for it. But I will say this, and I do question the pick because I think he could have got him a little later. He could have traded down, oh, and absolutely. I think he would have got him 100% because if you look at the guys that were still left, you had Spencer Knight, the goalie, who every team was wondering where he was going to go, and a lot of teams were interested in him. You had Cole Caulfield, who went to the Habs. Great pick, by the way. And there were a bunch of other guys that slid for really no good reason. I'm surprised Caulfield slid so low, didn't, weren't you? Well, you know, as much as we would like to say that the whole size thing is not a problem at the NHL draft anymore, to tell you the truth, it's not as bad as it used to be. But the fact that a guy who scored 70 goals and tied some records by Ovechkin is is crazy that he slid that far to Montreal. I mean, when they went up, they knew who they were taking. They just announced the pick like that. Well, I do see how size can be a bit of a concern. But 
guys like Marnie St. Louis have proven that size really doesn't matter in today's NHL as much as it used to be, especially in the speed era, which we're in, right? I think there are some concerns with Caulfield, but I think... The goal-scoring ability is yeah, second to none in this draft. Exactly. I think that if I were a GM and I had a chance to take Caulfield around the area of where it went, it would have been a no-brainer. Right, right. Uh, Bergevin had the easiest pick. Were there any other picks that you kind of were just like, okay, I would have probably taken this guy? Uh, well, I'll admit I didn't actually watch a lot of the draft this year, mostly because I was pretty busy doing things. But I, I did get a chance to watch, I think, the first half of the first round. I, I've looked at the recap. I think, for the most part, at least from a the sense standpoint, uh, as a fan, I like the pick that we've got. But I was amazed how many goalies we took. Yeah. And that was one thing that I think a lot of Sens fans, particularly on Twitter, were... I think a lot of Sens fans were a little perplexed about who the Sens drafted this year. And this is just for me reading about it, seeing people tweet about it, etc. I don't I don't know a lot about these players. Uh, but, for example, uh, second day... Uh, goal scorer like Arthur Kaliev is still available, and the Sens don't take him; they take someone else. But again, we're not we're not draft experts. We're not Nobody is. Scale. We're just we're just having conversation here. The other one that stuck out to me was the Philadelphia Flyers trading down to take Cam York. I like Cam York, uh, although I do wonder about some of the other players that were available. Obviously, Spencer Knight. You already have Carter Hart. You don't need another potential franchise goalie. But, I mean, I well, thought a guy like Cole Caulfield could have gone there. Yeah, they could have gone. And Philadelphia has plenty of defensemen. Although, you know, the thing with goaltenders is goaltenders are almost never a sure thing. You know that. Yeah. And goalies can be very finicky. How many goalies do we know that have come out of nowhere and just rocked the league? Of course, this year, Jordan Bennington. Very few. Like, if you look back at some of these drafts, I mean, you, you think of a guy like who was taken late, Henrik Lundqvist, Pecorine. Um, I don't know. Other than that, there's there's obviously guys throughout history, but it's really hard to find a guy late who develops into an elite goalie. It just doesn't happen very often. And even Bennington. I mean, Bennington, um, I don't think he's proven himself as an elite goalie yet. He had a great stretch. He won the Stanley Cup. He's in the same situation Matt Murray was. Right, right. You've won the Cup so early in your career. Well, now you've got to come back and prove that it wasn't a fluke. But speaking of goalies, um, we'll talk about what Florida did in free agency shortly. I love what they did uh, taking Spencer Knight. I mean, I think what this new management team that has uh, come together with, obviously, Joel Quenville has some very strong feelings about how he wants to build out this franchise. And it seems like Dale Talon has a little more control now, which he didn't really have before. Uh, and this team is committed to winning, unlike they've been in a while, it seems. And he says to himself, you know what, how many chances do we get to get a potential franchise goalie at the NHL draft? We're taking this Spencer Knight kid. And he is, I mean, I, I feel the same way about Spencer Knight that I did about Vasilevsky when he was picked. Uh, Carter Hart, Carey Price. 
you know, these guys don't come around too often. No, and considering he went as low as he did, I thought he would have gone a bit higher, especially in this year's draft class. Uh, after 1-2, it, there was no sure thing after that, really. Oh, as, as soon as, I would say, as soon as Detroit picked Cider, everything was out the window. Nobody knew where anybody was going. And that's when the unpredictability started, really. Yeah, and uh, last year's NHL draft was pretty unpredictable, but this year's in particular. And I think it certainly has something to do with this year's draft class not being as strong as the previous year's. Right. And I think you could make a good argument for that. There's some, There's going to be some really good players coming out of this draft class, but not like last year. Yeah, yeah, it's not as strong a draft. Next year, however, is going to be very interesting. There's a lot of good players in next year's draft, and the teams that are rebuilding are already looking ahead to it in terms of trading players they don't need for draft picks in the second third round because it's that good. Well, that's why as a Sens fan, I, I could care less about next season. They can They can lose all 82 games. As long as they get a top three pick next year, I'll be happy. Yeah. And, all right. Um, any other thoughts on the draft? Well, it was an entertaining draft because yeah. uh, a lot of the times you'll get a pretty predictable draft. There's a, there's always a few bit few surprises here and there, but I love the unpredictability of drafts like this where you can get guys who nobody thought like Cider and just shock everybody. Yeah. And I like that. Don't you? At least from an entertainment standpoint. No, I agree. I mean, it. If everyone, if everyone went where you, they were supposed to go, what fun would that be for the fans watching and the analysts? That would be the most boring draft in the history of the league, and it never happens that way. Very rarely, there's always surprises. There's always guys who go higher than you thought, lower than you thought. You know, they slide. There's trades. There's all these things that are going on. But anyway. So that was that. Obviously, then you had the top two guys, Hughes and Kako. Um, to me, the New York Rangers have had the best summer of anyone. Well, so let's far. get into that. And let's get into that because the biggest signing of free agency are Tammy Panarin going to his childhood favorite, New York Rangers. What a signing for the New York Rangers. And as you said, it's been an incredible offseason for a New York Rangers fan and just the team of course yeah they've won the offseason if you ask me now that doesn't count for anything right until they win something on the ice right but remember back in december you and i were talking about how this might be a two or three year rebuild mm -hmm. well it's not that anymore i think surprisingly for them they've kind of just stumbled on a lot of good fortune for example uh getting adam fox for next to nothing when he decides not to sign with the Calgary Flames, who he was a big part of the Noah Hannafin trade. Mm. You know, you gave up, like, I think it was a second or third round pick, but still, this is a proven commodity that is pretty much ready to come into the NHL. Then it just so happens that Jacob Truba name is available, and not only is it available, they're, they're trying very hard to and get rid of And he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there. So not only that... You have a guy that's available, but also at a very discounted price. So you say, okay, who's a guy that we don't really need, but we kind of like? We don't really need Neil Pionk. Let's send Pionk go. and something else, and let's take Jacob Truba. When you and I talked about Pionk, he's an okay guy, but Truba is just 
And then you before that you had the lottery and the where they moved up to the top three, which was ridiculous because this is a Rangers team that was just outside the playoff picture last year. Yeah, the, the, I think people forget that the Rangers core are already there isn't half bad. It's not going to win you a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But it was good enough to be in the playoff picture down the stretch. And now you've got guys coming in who are going to be elite. I think Kako may take a little time to get yeah. into the NHL, but that's not surprising. But you've got a guy like Artemi Panarin who, on night one, will make a big impact on that New York Rangers oh, team. Oh, I'm sure of it, yeah. And if you're Henrik Lundqvist, you got to feel pretty good about the team in front of you now. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time since they really started this rebuild. It seems like it's been a long time coming uh, since they've been a good team. I would say since they made their appearance in the Stanley Cup final against the LA Kings. Yeah, and even then... That, That's a long time ago. That was a, You're right, it was a long time ago, and that was a completely different Rangers team. Uh, the only concern I did write is I have a few concerns on D, but mm-hmm. overall, I think having a guy like Truba come in is going to make that decor a lot better. I think the Rangers... Right, you've got you've got Truba coming in. Your forwards have gotten a lot better. Not only do you have Kako, who's pr- most likely ready to play in the NHL, he's showed he's been able to play against men pretty much all season, and including the World Championships. But you've got Kraftsov coming over, your top prospect from Russia, uh, should make an impact. I don't know where he'll be in the Calder ranks, but I think he'll make an impact. You've got. Shesterkin, the Russian goalie. I do wonder if they favor him over Georgiev because I've got to tell you, if there's no place for Georgiev, there will be plenty of teams interested in him. And they, you can get some assets for that too. Yeah. And don't forget Brady Shea's already there, and I've always been a yeah. I've always been a fan of Brady Shea. No, but they they look so, good. They look like a team that could certainly unseat someone like the Carolina Hurricanes. Or, I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets. To me, they're better than those teams right now. Um, My only biggest concern, besides a a few questions with the defense, is Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, Not that I'm doubting what he can do on the ice, but, you know, he's getting up there in age. And injuries have caught up to him just a little. Uh, Yeah. I don't want to doubt Henrik Lundqvist because I'm a big Henrik Lundqvist fan. Yeah. And I think that he'll have a good season next year, but it it is a question... And a concern you have to keep in the back of your mind, right? Yeah, fair enough. I I feel confident that with a better team around him, you know, Lundqvist is still a very good goalie. I mean, he's still, like you said, he'll he'll have nights where he's just not very good, but then he'll have nights where you see that vintage Henrik Lundqvist. And especially if they get to the playoffs, you know they want to rest him as much as possible. He doesn't have that many years left on his contract, and I – for a guy his age, he is in tremendous shape. He he takes great care of himself. I saw uh, a video yesterday of him enjoying his off season. It looked like he was in Disneyland or something with his daughter. I <laughs> oh, went with Luongo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the Rangers have have really kind of taken all the headlines this off season. But there's plenty of other teams that have done big things. And let's go on to that team I mentioned them earlier. The Florida Panthers, not only we talked about Spencer Knight, while Sergei Bobrovsky, not Bobrovsky and Panarin, but still, 
Bobrovsky signs with them. Not only do they get him, they get Strawman on three years. They get Achari, and they get Brett Connolly. These are significant additions. Absolutely. And, of course, you've got Joel Quenville behind the bench now. Yeah. And I think that the Florida <laughs> Panthers have certainly made some moves so that they're not going to be overshadowed by their in-state rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning, anymore. How, how good, on a scale of 1 to 10... How good do you feel about the Florida Panthers' playoff chances this year? Well, I think that I, I have to go around a 6 or a 7 right now because we haven't seen them hit the ice yet, right? Fair, but I, I look at it this way. I think it's very high for me. I would say an 8 or a 9 because they have played with below-average league goaltending for three, four years now. And you've signed an elite goalie. You've you've fortified the D. You've got Quenville, um, and you've added some roster depth. Well, the main reason Connelly, I say six Achari. or seven is because think about the competition they're going against, right? Yeah. And you know Tampa has remained about the same as of right now. We'll see how that plays out. Of course, Boston coming off a Stanley Cup final appearance. I don't think they're going to be as good next year as they were this year. They've lost a lot of guys, Boston. Yeah, yeah. but you and I both know that they're Boston still good. finds a way. Yeah, they're still good. The Maple Leafs, I think, have gotten better. Yeah, I think they're about Not, the same. Yeah, about the same. I think a little better. I think they've they've put faith in their young players, and they have enough cap now to sign Marner. But like you said, I mean, this is not. Montreal's, Montreal's there's a lot better. of teams vying for those final playoff spots that the Florida Panthers want. But I, I don't disagree with you. I think Florida will certainly be a more competitive team next year than they were last season. Yeah. And I think Bobrovsky is going to be a big part of that. Right. Because as you've mentioned, they, they've been with below average goaltending for a little while now, and now you've got an elite goaltender in Sergei Bobrovsky, who's proven himself time and time again. I, I think it'll be a bit of a grind, but I think they, I think there's certainly a good chance they get in. But it, the, the main reason I've only given them a, a six or seven is just because of the amount of teams vying for those playoffs. But, but that could shoot up to an eight or nine really quickly. And fair point. We'll see. We haven't seen them on the ice yet. Um, I mean, on paper... Like we talked about, they look good. Uh, but we'll see. The thing with Bobrovsky is he can be a little bit inconsistent. We've seen that. You know, he can be outstanding. He can steal games or he can be below average. He, he, most seasons he experiences that inconsistency. But eventually, when you see the season ending numbers, they're almost always very, very good. And he was the reason Columbus went so far in the playoffs this year. He was outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding. That, that was Sergei Bobrovsky in the playoffs. We've been waiting years for that, that was always the big question for the Blue Jackets was, will Sergei Bobrovsky continue his elite form in the playoffs? And this year he answered that question with a resounding yes. I think that Sergei Bobrovsky is on a better team now than he was in Columbus, don't you? I think he... I think it's a Maybe, deeper team. I think, I you think yes, it's definitely deeper. Uh, I would say that as good as Artemi Panarin is, I would still take Alex Barkov over him as just a better player. Uh, and then you have guys like Huberto, 
Connolly. I mean, this Florida Panthers team, the one thing they can do is score a lot of goals. They just haven't had goaltending like we've talked about. So that'll be interesting. The other team that was very busy, the Dallas Stars. Yeah, Dallas was pretty busy. I think that they've certainly gotten better, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think they they very carefully assessed what they needed. And what they needed was either a second-line center or right winger. It depends where they play Pavelski. I feel and I think like, they get that with Pavelski. I feel like you play him second line. Yeah, uh, you, I don't... you got to have your, your top guys play on that first line. Ben, Pavelski Sagan, isn't a first-liner anymore. I, I don't think... No. I don't think with the guys you have in Dallas right now, I, I think Sagan and Ben and those guys are still your top guys, mm-hmm. but Pavelski will make an excellent second, or even if worse comes to worse, a third line. And then you added a couple veterans who both just got bought out, Andre Sakara and Corey Perry. These are two guys that are pretty good players. They just were playing on way above value contracts. They get bought out, and they signed for, I think it was $3 million combined. Yeah, it wasn't much. And Corey I mean, Perry- you look at that roster right now, um, just, just a moment, and remember, this is a team that took the St. Louis Blues to seven games. <laughs> And the thing with the Stars is they may be slightly risky signings, with especially Corey Perry with his injury history. But you know that you and I both know how good Corey Perry can be. And if he, he yeah. has the year I think he can have. Then well, I mean, what what is a reasonable expectation for Corey Perry this year? I would say if you can get 20 goals yeah. out of him, that's, that's what you'd like. 25 would be spectacular right. for Corey Perry. Right. I mean, he signed for, well, I think it was $1.5 If he can get... If he can net 40, maybe even 50 points, I, that would go a long way. Right, yeah. And that would be, and we can look back on that, if he gets those 40, 50 points, and say, what a bargain mm-hmm. Dallas got. That, that would be a steal. Mm-hmm. And I think it will be a steal. I think Corey Perry yeah, is very the good type value. of guy that can. Yeah, and he needed a change of scenery. He I did. Mean, uh, really, ever since he won that cup with the Ducks, he hasn't been quite the same. He's been kind of... He's had a lot of injuries. He got overpaid on that contract, just like Getzlaff did. And, I mean, he had, I think it was two more years left at, like, around $9 million. Just too much money for a guy who is a aging uh, scorer. But, yeah, you the Stars had some tremendous uh, good fortune there. And, then, and, I, and the other reason I give them a good grade is they walked away from Zuccarello because as good as Matt Zuccarello is, did you really think he was getting $6 million per year? No. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, they got two great guys for $3 million combined. Yeah. That's half of what Zuccarello wanted per year. Exactly. And as you mentioned, you and I are both Zuccarello fans, but I'm not going to give him $6 million a year. Yeah, well, Minnesota did. And uh, to me, Minnesota is a very confusing team, but they're not really in our discussions. I mean, they really... Um, I think they're going to be about the same as they were this year. A team that isn't bad enough to tank. Yeah, it's like it's like they they're don't... They're mediocre. They don't want to rebuild. They want to keep being in this playoff picture. It's like But the at the same Red time, they're just, they're just not that good. They're good. But they're not great. They're not good enough. If you look at the Western Conference right now, I don't think very many people would say, yeah, the Minnesota Wild are making the playoffs this no. year. No. Because Especially the Western Conference is stacked. And like you said, the Central. So, anyway, Minnesota, 
continues to confuse both myself and you. I compare them to the Detroit Red Wings of you know the last two three years of the of the playoff streak, right? Mm. Trying to keep something alive that is inevitably going to die, right? Mm. And I think Minnesota, they could fight for a playoff spot this year. They did last season. But even if they find their way in, it's probably another first round exit, right? I just, yeah, I just don't see it. All that for a first round exit. Right. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. Um, other big team, Nashville, Matt Duchesne, big money. Long term um, thoughts on this because this is this is one of the more talked about signings because everybody has an opinion on Matt Duchesne. I like Matt Duchesne, of course. As an Ottawa fan, his first year in Ottawa was pretty rough. Yeah, but by the time he got into, I'd say the second half of last se- of the previous season, then last season, he, he was pretty good before he got traded. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he had a really good playoff run with the Blue Jackets. Yeah. But the the term for Matt Duchesne, my, my concern I wrote down here, between Duchesne, Turris, and Johansson, $22 million. It's a lot of money. Are those, are those all really good second-line centers to you? I'd say so. None of them are really first-line centers. That was centers. my thought. And they're all, like, I guess Johansson's a little different than Turris, but Turris and Duchesne are fairly similar. And I can, I compare the two. Uh, Turris and Duchesne are very similar. I, I know a lot of Ottawa fans noticed that when Duchesne came into Ottawa. Is he, he's a similar type center. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll definitely benefit playing with, like, if he plays top line, it seems like he's destined to do that. Um if he plays with Philip Forsberg, I think he could really uh, benefit points-wise. But I'll say this once, and I'll say it again. Um, I've Sorry, I've said this once, and I'll say it again. To me, Matt Duchesne has tremendous individual skill. He's got great hands. He's got great speed. I, I can't disagree with that. But as an overall player, as a guy who drives the play, sets up plays, he's just not what you'd want to pay that much money. So I think in the short term, for the next three years, this contract is okay. After that, that's where it gets a little dicey. Well, yeah, and we've seen the drop-off in tourists, particularly last year, and I'm a big Kyle Tourist fan. He does a lot of good stuff on and off the ice. But no one's going to deny that Tourist had a big drop-off last season, particularly in the second half. I do think he can turn it around, but if he doesn't, that contract's going to look real bad, real fast. And that's a risky take with any free agent. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's Kevin Hayes, Matt Duchesne, even Artemi Panarin. You, Artemi Panarin could run into injuries. He could be inconsistent. I mean, this contract takes him until he's, uh, right, I think, 34, 35. So it's a risky take with any free agent signing. But I guess Nashville felt they cleared some cap space with Subban. Maybe they felt... We're a better team with Duchesne rather than Subban. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays. Like I said, I think it could be a really good fit for him. Uh, I, I believe there's some really good players there in Nashville, especially Forsberg and Yossi. Yeah, I think uh, Nashville will definitely be in the playoff conversation next year. I don't think anybody's going to deny that. 
But in a tough central, you better hope those three centers are going to pick it up, right? Right, right. Um, Well, you mentioned P.K. Subban. Let's talk about that trade because I think P.K. Subban to New Jersey is a pretty good move for New Jersey. What about you? I don't like the contract P.K. Subban has, but I like the upside he brings to New Jersey. Yeah, I I just... To me, this is a move that um, is is only not only a move to get the Devils fans' attention and to bring more fans to the building, but also to say to Taylor Hall, okay, listen, we're willing to bring in this guy. You know, he's paid a lot of money, but you know him. He's a very good offensive defenseman. I think this is half and half. This is half a move to help the New Jersey Devils be better, bring in fans. And also to try and help convince Taylor Hall to re-sign because he's not going to be an easy guy to re-sign. Yeah, There's I a put lot that down too. I, th- I, th- I said, uh, Taylor yeah. Hall, you need to convince him, right? You need to have a – it's almost like the Kawhi Leonard saga. Yeah. Right? You need to uh, – <laughs> Different, good, different. But, I know. Yeah. Different sport. But if you, can, if you think about it, right, these are two elite players. And they're both approaching the end of contracts, right? Right. They both come into – they're not 100% sure if they want to stay in their current situation. Mm-hmm. Well, you may not need to win a championship in Taylor Hall's case, but you need to show some improvement. So I guess if you look at the moves the Devils made, do you agree that they're better, but how much better are they? Like I, Maybe a few extra wins. You're not a playoff team. No. So... Shiro to me is is managing this roster and and still rebuilding while slowly adding bigger pieces. So a bigger piece was Subban. He waited years to add him, um, and to his credit, he's done a great job managing the cap and figuring out who needs to be paid and who he can trade away. And basically, you said to Nashville, "We know you can't take on his salary." So we'll take on his whole salary, but I'm not going to give you very much in return. The most you're going to get is this, this, and this. And really, it wasn't much. No. It was just enough so that they could convince them to take on all of P.K. Subban's salary. Well, I think it's a great move for New Jersey, mostly. Well, one, because you got to convince Taylor Hall. And two, I think the upside is there for P.K. Subban. I, don't, I never saw him as a great fit in Nashville, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I... I I think he was always more comfortable in Montreal. He was better in Montreal, in my opinion. Maybe. At least from what I Although observed. they seem to be plenty happy with Shea Weber. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not going to beat a dead horse uh, on the Shea Weber, P.K. Subban stuff, but P.K. Subban hasn't really found a fit since he left Montreal. Well, And that's, that's what I think. I think that if he can get a good fit in New Jersey and – he may not need to pl- he may not play as well as he did when he was in his prime in Montreal. But if he can rekindle some of that. But I- this is this is a different situation for him, right? There's not really a lot of pressure on him. Everybody knows the Devils are an improving rebuilding team and he's coming in as a veteran. Um he'll probably put up his usual, you know, 40, 50 points because he's going to play on the power play. So this is not the pressure of a Nashville or a Montreal who's who's trying to make the playoffs every single year, right? 
So it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. The one thing you do know about P.K. Subban is he will help the Devils on and off the ice. He's a guy who's very involved in the community. Um, as a player, people are very uh, divided on P.K. Subban, but as a person, everyone can agree that he's a great dude. Oh, yeah, he still gives millions to the Montreal Children's Hospital, and he hasn't played in Montreal for years. Yeah. He, he is an awesome guy. Yeah. Nobody's going to deny that. He, he's one of the most generous players in the league, and that's saying something because NHL players, are, by and large, are very generous. All right. Um, um, Toronto. Toronto, yeah. We've, we've held off on Toronto up until the 31-minute mark. Wow. Yeah, that might, be a, that might be a new record. I mean, we talked about Ottawa briefly. So, so, the, so the Leafs, first of all, they make the trade with Ottawa, which it seemed like has been in the works for a little while. Um, from your perspective, what are your thoughts on this trade? I mean, Cody Ceci is a guy that has been kind of loved or hated in his time here in Ottawa. Absolutely. Cody Ceci is a guy... That if you ask Sens fan, I'd say he's one of the most polarizing players in Senators history. Wow. Not because he's a bad guy off the ice. I've met him a couple times. He's a fantastic guy. Really nice. Does a lot for the community. But on the ice, there are two types of people in Sens Army. There's those who think Cody Cece has some good upside hmm. and will eventually reach it. And those who despise Cody Cece. Despise? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are people at Sens games, and I see them all the time when I'm there, uh, that say Cody Cece is a joke and he shouldn't be on the ice at all. To me, I think it's a bit unfair to Cody Cece because he really, for his entire career, with the exception of a couple seasons, he's been in a tough spot with Ottawa, particularly these past few years. And I think... Cody Ceci is one of those guys where the Sens management had these crazy high expectations for him. When they first brought him in, some people were thinking he can be the next, you know, the next Petrangelo or a guy like that, right? A guy who, who's good on the defensive end but can put the put some points up on the board. Well, Cody Ceci is not that type of player, and I don't think he will be for Toronto. I think Cody Ceci is one of those guys who's uh, the best... Com I can't even really make a comparison, but the best way I can describe him is a decent puck-moving defenseman with a, with a decent defensive mind. He's okay on the offensive end, but I don't see him as the type of guy who's going to put up a whole lot of points for Toronto. No, I don't, I don't think they see him that way, but I think... Uh, from Toronto's perspective, they wouldn't have pulled the trigger on this deal if they didn't think something of him. I think um, they see something in Cody Ceci maybe that the Sens did see years ago and maybe don't see anymore. Uh, I do think there's something to be said that he hasn't really played with great players. Especially, and I think that's a big thing. Especially D partners. Well, uh, think about it. He was with Dion because, Phaneuf for two years. And Dion Phaneuf. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he, Dion Phaneuf, currently an unrestricted free agent. We'll take him back. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I like Dion as a person. Great but guy. But. Speaking of CeCe, I mean, 
Nikita Zaitsev is not that much different than no, Cody no. Cece. They're basically two stay-at-home defensemen. They're not great at carrying the puck. And like you said, they're both of them are the same. They're very polarizing figures. You either like them or you don't like them. The one thing I will say about Nikita Zaitsev, and this is me being honest with you as a Leafs fan, is if he's utilized properly, he can be a valuable member of your team. I don't think you can put him on pair one no. with Thomas Shabbat. Thomas Shabbat and expect him to be a stud. I think you put him on that second pair with um, who would be on your second pair right now. At this point, it's honestly a mystery because the Sens decor is so young, right? At this point, it's a it's one of the youngest in the league. And right, so so if they can utilize him properly, I do think there's potential for him to provide some value. Will he provide as much value as his contract suggests he should? Probably not. But he has shown, uh, especially during the playoffs last year, that he can be a very stout defensive defenseman. But remember, that's what he is. He is a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, and he will make some mistakes that will make you mash your head against the wall. I'm warning you that because that will happen because well, that happened a fair bit with the Leafs. Well, this is daily face-off, and I don't use daily face-off as the Holy Bible, but they think he will match up with Thomas Shabbat. And mm. I don't know if that works. I could see him. I more. mean, I guess they, they don't really have anybody else. No. So that's then, the problem. No, I— uh, but we'll see. I, mean, I could honestly see him with Borowiecki. I could. He's going to a familiar situation with DJ Smith. And the other part of that trade that I think you guys will like in Ottawa, because he's just a good, hard-working two-way player, is Connor Brown. I like Connor Brown. You guys will love Connor Brown. He's a great guy. He's a, he's a guy who's worked extremely hard to get where he is. And he's a great teammate. I think he'll be a, a good part of the Ottawa future. The other thing that's interesting is that it wasn't tr a trade, but... Ron Hainsey has gone to the Sens as well. And then this one is more of a... Uh, the a, Ottawa Maple Leafs. Basically, well, the cast-off Maple Wait, Leafs. Wait, the Maple Sens. There it is. <laughs> but these are the cast-offs, right? Yeah, but... Kind of. But I actually don't mind Ron Hainsey coming to Ottawa because it's, it's just a one-year deal. I think it's more, there's two reasons why he's here. One, to be a veteran mm -hmm. for the young decor. And two, they just need to fill... They need to get to the cap floor one way yeah. or another. Yeah. And the Sens are still 1.3 or 1.5 million under the cap floor. So I can expect another move like that to come at some point because they need to make the cap floor. I mean, there's still, to me, there's still some free agents out there that if you look at and you say, if we bring him in on a one or two year deal at decent value, this is a guy that could provide some really good I'd value really like for us. I'd really like the Sens because... to bring back Ryan Dezingle. Because I wouldn't bring him on a big contract. A lot of the big names have already been uh, off the free agent market. You know, you've got, like you said, you've got guys like Dezingle. I think Marcus Johansson is a little bit too much because he's going to command probably four and a half. Too much for the Senators. But the, if you look through the free agent list, you know, maybe a guy like Hutton fits in. I don't know. Um, there are guys out there that the Sens should be interested in. And because, yes, you're rebuilding, but you want to put a. I think. It's safe to say, and it's fair to say, that if you compare the Sens to the team of last year, the team of this year that's projected, you know, uh, 
I will say, is still better than the team last year. Well, I like this top line that Daily Faceoff is projecting. Uh, Kachuk, White, Batherson. I don't think that's going to be what they're going with, but that that those three are very solid young players. Yeah. And, and White still needs a new contract. Yeah. And that that one is a work in progress. That should get them to the cap floor at the bare minimum with White's new deal. And it sounds like they're heading that direction, which is good for Sens fans because White does have some good upside with him. And I've always been a big fan of his. So I think the Sens are slowly heading in the right direction. I think next year's draft will be a key for them, though. All right, before we wrap up on the Sens, your grade for the Sens offseason so far. Mm. Well, here's the thing. As a Sens fan, and just as a hockey observer, I didn't expect them to do anything. Hmm. Or very little. So, I don't know how you judge that when you expect them to do nothing, and they basically nothing, and they do basically nothing. I, I, I give them an A in doing what I expected them to do, but in terms of getting better as a team, a C plus. Okay. I think they've gotten better, but I think the optimist Sens fan in me wanted them to make a few more big moves to get better in a couple years rather than five years like Eugene Melnick predicts. So what if you put your GM hat on right now for Ottawa before we finish off, All right. what are those three moves that you would like them to do right now if they, if they could? Hmm. Well, it's a bit tough. I still think they need to get younger. I think young prospects are the way to go for the Senators. Uh, number one, I think you got to get rid of the dead weight. Uh, I've been saying that for years, uh, especially after 2016-17. Uh, I said, the team isn't half bad. you got to get rid of the dead weight in the bottom six. And I still think that is a bit of a concern. I think the only guy that really should stay around is Zach Smith. And the main reason why is he's nearing the end of his contract, I believe. And last time they tried to get rid of him, well, there was a pretty big uproar from the team. And I, I, people like him as a veteran presence. So there's that. But I think you got to get rid of your dead weight. I think Mikhail Bogker's got to go. And Mikhail Bogker, when they brought him in last year, yeah, exactly, iffy, right? And that was, that was being very optimistic. I think you're not going to get much for him. But, you know, a 6th or 7th round pick is better than nothing, right? And I'm sure you can find a team out there that will take him for very little. And heck, he may have to retain some salary for all I know. But I would get rid of him, wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I like that idea. Just look at the guys on the roster and say, you know, maybe we need a better goalie to start so Anderson can be the backup. I, I would trade Anderson, to be honest. What? Uh, would someone want Anderson? I think there would be a market out there for him. I don't think it would be a huge market like Bobrovsky, but look at a team like Calgary. <laughs> They've yeah, got Cam. Calgary's the king of uh, getting backups to play starter. And if you're, as a Calgary fan, not obviously the second team, Yeah, I'd rather have Craig Anderson and Golden Cam tell because Yeah, and with that team, I would say, yeah, probably. Because here's the thing about Cam Talbot is he's had a couple good years. And he has, he has flashes of brilliance. But at least Craig Anderson, even in his current state, 
he's still a pretty consistent goaltender. Not what he once was. That That's important to note. He's not what he once was. But I think the Sens still could get something decent back for Craig Anderson, don't you? And I think they'll visit that maybe at the trade deadline. Uh, I do think they're willing to take calls on him. But again, uh, we've talked about this before. He's He loves Ottawa. He's got his wife here. Uh, I don't think he really wants to go that far from Ottawa. This is probably where he wants to retire, if I had to guess. Um, so what are the other two moves? That's one, and I like that. I think that's a good call that Sense Management hasn't made. Well, move number two, I think you got to go through the, the UFA list, as you suggested. I think that there are still some diamonds in the rough out there. I think that one thing I will give Pierre Dorian credit for, and I know not a lot of people will give him credit for credit nowadays, especially with all that's going on with Melnick and people accusing him as a Melnick puppet. <laughs> it's true. People do. Yeah. I think people forget that Dorian's a solid scout. And he's pretty good at finding diamonds in the rough. Look at Anthony Duclair, right? He came in with no expectations whatsoever, and he had a pretty good last 20 games with Ottawa. I think having him back next season on a make-or-break contract is a good move. Mm -hmm. But I think here Dorian is a good enough scout and good enough at finding some prospects. I think you can take some risks on some guys that other teams normally wouldn't You've got because you've got the cap space and you've got no expectations. I think I'll go back to Ryan Dezingle. I think that you could bring him in on a one- or two-year deal. I wouldn't give him the money, the big money that he's supposedly asking for because he's not that type of player. But yeah, I think Ryan Dezingle back in Ottawa would be better than your current depth for Ottawa because right now, looking at, just looking at daily face-off, how many of these guys do you think are true good depth players? Exactly. I don't know how to answer that question. So, so, <laughs> well, exactly, because you don't. Because I'll be honest here, the Sens really have no depth, and it doesn't surprise me. But I think bringing in Ryan Dezingle, that would be move number two. I think you've got to bring back Ryan Dezingle. Not okay. on a big term. Okay. Not on a long term. But I, I'd, be cur I'd be fascinated to see how he would play under a guy like TJ Smith. I think Dezingle is a guy who, uh, for, he obviously he's a free agent, and it's every right of his to ask for maybe a little more of a long-term deal, but I don't think he's going to get that. No. I mean, you look at a team like Columbus that took a big risk, and they traded for him, and they hoped that he would be solid for them in the playoffs. He did absolutely nothing. They could not get him going. He was a healthy scratch, like Venberg, who has also been a big disappointment for Columbus. So I think if you're Dezingle, you've got to be realistic and say, I'm not getting a long-term deal. You know, maybe I just need to look for a good fit. And I've kind of got two more moves I can think of right off that. I think one of the moves you got to do is you got to bring in Chris Kelly again because he, behind the bench for Mark Crawford, was a real hidden gem for Ottawa down the second half of the season because the, te the team sucked and they knew it. But Chris Kelly is such a player's coach, and I think he's got a real future as an assistant coach in the NHL. Players love him. Fans love him. Coaches have great things to say about him. And I think having him with DJ Smith, who's already a player's coach 
I think that would be a really good fit for the two of them. And the big move for me, you got to sign Thomas Shabbat. Mm. I think you absolutely need to sign Thomas Shabbat this offseason. What's your prototypical Thomas Shabbat contract as we stand right now? Given his age and the improvements that we're seeing with him, I would have, I think you would be silly not to go with seven, maybe maybe even eight year deal. I think that you start off with six. And that may seem a bit high right now. I think probably seven, seven and a half is what it will take. But probably. you never know. Maybe he's willing to go. That's why I say you start at six because yeah. Because if you can get if you can get Thomas Shabbat signed for eight years at six million, and he continues to get better, like I think he will, that will be a steal very quickly. Yeah. But I do agree. I think that it's going to end up being seven, seven point. But even seven, yeah. seven point five—that's good value. I that's mean, great. He's value. a franchise defenseman. Well, look at what Carlson just signed for, right? Yeah. And I, I won't compare Carlson to Shabbat because I do think they're two different types of players. Mm. But I think Thomas Shabbat has such a tremendous upside that you got to sign him sooner rather than later. And I'd put Brady Kachuk into that one for next offseason. Right. Because there's no point negotiating with him just yet. You feel like those are two guys you want and sign them as soon as you can. Yeah, I think those two guys are guys that the Sens want to build around, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And Brady Kachuk's only going to get better. Yeah. I think I think most people in the league would agree with me on that one. I think Drake Batherson's got a huge upside. I think he's going to be one of those guys when he truly earns his spot on the Sens roster. I think he'll be one of those players that teams will take notice of very quickly because he's got such a tremendous skill set, and his speed is second to none. All right. Any final moves you'd like to make? I think you got to you got to take the young guns. There's no. I think you got to have a couple veteran presences. I think having a guy like Hainsey and Smith, those two guys are good veteran presences. But I think other than that, go play the kids because what do you have to lose? You're gonna lose anyways. Right. And you might as well give these guys as much playing time as you can, while they're young and cheap and. Maybe in a couple of years, the Sens could actually be in the conversation for a playoff. But I don't see it happening. But you might as well play your young guns and give them experience while you suck, right? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what the Leafs did, right? Yeah, they did. They did exactly that, basically. Yeah. Uh, There's no risk in playing your young guns. So, so yeah, I, I think that's a great plan. And I think I would hope that that's what sends management is planning but who knows anyway let's let's move on to something we haven't even talked about yet because it's i don't know how much of news it really is the montreal canadians signed sebastian aho to an offer sheet eight and a half million per season it was bonus laden still it was very easy for carolina to match that and here's my question to you what the heck was the point of that? Seriously. that That's like saying, I want Sidney Crosby, but I'll give you three quarters of what he's worth. Do you want Sidney Crosby, or will you take the three quarters? Like, it's so mm. passive-aggressive and unnecessary. If you want the player, 
drop the big dollar. Say, hey, we really want this guy. We're going to make it tough on you. We're dropping nine and a half, ten million dollars, and we're willing to give all these draft picks. Strange. It is a bit of a strange circumstance, but if you look at it from Montreal's perspective, and at least from what we're hearing from them, is that Aho really wanted to play in Montreal. So maybe he was willing to take less money to play in Montreal. Now, but I heard that was a lie. <laughs> I heard a, that it was fabricated by Bergevin and the media, and he really wanted to stay in Carolina. So It's a weird situation. It was really strange. Because I agree with you. If you're going to offer sheet, I mean, at least give him big yeah. money and force Carolina really. Now, what I do wonder about that, obviously it was an easy match for the Hurricanes, and they were perfectly willing to give him the big money. Does Montreal move on to one of the other RFAs and say, you know, is this guy worth 10, 11? You know, I look at two guys for them, Rantanen, Point. I think I think this offseason is going to be the offseason of offer sheet. You think there's more coming? I th- absolutely think Ooh, there's more coming. Okay. Because have we heard much on the Marner front? I know you're more in tune with the Leafs. They, they have cleared enough cap space. Uh, I do think that's him. coming. Uh, so I, I don't see him leaving, but I could be wrong. Maybe there's a team talking to him that makes a lot of sense right now. But my sense is that the Leafs and him want to get something done. It's just going to come down to the money, as always. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Braden Point gets off a sheet. He's such a good player. Uh, to me, Point and Ranton are two guys that I know it's not conventional and it's frowned upon, but... But these guys... These guys are proven stars, and they're only going to get better. Um, Ranton is a big body. He's a fin. He can score. He can drive the net. I mean, he is a beast. This guy hasn't even filled out physically yet, and he is already a monster. Braden Point, speedy center, good on faceoffs. He can drive the play. He makes players around him so much better. And he... And as his last name says, he gets those points. Yeah. And a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I know it's frowned upon, and you and I have touched on this briefly before, but... I don't think... Here, here's here's the thing. I don't think it should be. I, I think this should be a way you can get players, but I think the system needs to change. I think there should be a system in place where, let's say there's RFAs available. If a team signs a guy and they have the money and he wants to play there, I think there should be some kind of thing you can do, like an agreement, put an agreement in place for like a sign and trade. Why can't that be a thing? I don't understand. Why Why do we have to murk in these RFA waters with all these terms and conditions? And these signings never happen because they're so hard to make happen because of the way the RFA system is. The compensation is pretty easy to understand, but other than that. I just, I don't know. I think every team is going to have RFAs if this system continues. And and the thing with RFAs. But the problem with the NHL is they're very unwilling to change things, and this will probably never change. I just feel like I, there should be something there I think if where we, if a player, I don't know, let me give you an example. Let's say... Um, we can go to point. I don't know. Matt Kachuk. Right. L- let's say he really wants to go home to 
around his family in St. Louis. He really would like to. Let's say St. Louis had the cap space right now. What if you you put a system in place where they sign him to this contract, they trade him, so you and you get something in return. Not a lot, but something, something of value. So well, you're not just giving him away going? for nothing. Isn't that already kind of happening with picks? Yeah, but I don't it doesn't again, like it seems every time a team is willing to match, nobody is willing to go that extra length yet. And it still hasn't happened really in my experience other than like the only time it ever happened Thomas Vanek, Dustin Penner. This this is a long time ago. And those and let's be honest, even though those guys were pretty good at the time, it's not like Braden Point or any of the guys that are RFAs this season now, right? But again, I think like you said, you can take the picks for a player, but I think you should be able to negotiate something else. Like let's let's say a team is contending and they have an RFA, they can't sign them. Then okay, well in the current NHL, well you're screwed. See RFA, I'll, we'll take the picks because they don't have a choice. But let's say the team was contending and they needed some team friendly contracts, good young players, whatever. Maybe you could make that happen. I don't know. I, I, I think it's worth exploring. Well, I think our RFA, a lot of the GMs are pretty relaxed on it because. There's no real risk of losing their top players that are RFAs at the moment. But if, I agree with you. If you put in a system where there's more of an urgency to sign your RFAs and teams can legitimately take your RFAs if you aren't willing to match on the dollars or anything like that, mm. I think I think it should be allowed. I know it, I know teams frown upon it, but, but let's be honest. If you have a guy like Ranton and up for grabs and all signs are... Pointing to him not going, to, not wanting to take that type of deal. Mm. Oh, why as I, why should I as a GM be frowned upon for making a smart hockey move and going to him and saying exactly we'll, we'll give you this money? Right? And not only like people forget like the teams that are seen as the bad guy in all of this, they're taking a tremendous risk, giving up a bunch of first round picks for a guy who who could really work out or maybe not, that's a big risk for your team. So I think you you should be... Anyway, the I, RFA system's complicated. I RFA sign all the time in NHL <laughs> because I've won three Stanley Cups in a row. I can give up a few picks. Okay, before we wrap up on free agents and talk about some of the other stuff that went down, um, this one was really interesting to me. Chicago... Uh, signing Robin Leonard. Now, here's the thing about that. Leonard was said to be seeking a multi-year contract, and first, the Islanders, for some reason, who knows why, were unwilling to give it to him. And as soon as that is kind of determined, it seems like they immediately moved on, and they went to Varlamov, and they basically had that agreement in place. So Chicago, not expecting any of this to be happening sees him on the market and they say you know what we'll give you one year we'll see what you can do and he's in a position where the only other team that he wants to play for is the islanders so they've they've given him the you know wave and then he signs a one-year deal with chicago it was very strange and then very shortly after that Simeon varlamov announces on a longer term deal 
with the Islanders. That was very odd, especially with the year Robin Leonard had this year. Yeah, mm. he'd be taking a risk with a multi-year deal. Yeah. But two or three years of Robin Leonard, I think he certainly has shown the upswing. I, you and I both know the challenges off ice that he's faced. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been very strong through all that. I'm glad he won the Masterton this year. I think he was a lock for that. Yeah. And I think that Robin Leonard, I would have taken the risk on him, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I see a guy that has, has uh, like you said, overcome some issues. I think he's he's, he's in the prime corner. of his career. He's uh, I, I think, think he's a guy be- that's that's always trying to improve. I was surprised that even Chicago wouldn't give him a two-year deal. But now I look at Chicago and I say, man, they are interesting in that Western Conference now because they didn't miss the playoffs by that much. And now you've, I think, really solved the goaltending issue because you've got two guys who can either, A, share the load, or maybe I would probably say that Leonard's going to play a little more than Crawford. But even if you have Crawford as your 1A and a really good backup, that is miles better than what they've had. Yeah. I think Chicago is an interesting case study because they still have that cap issue. But give the Blackhawks credit. They've done pretty well at maneuvering around the cap for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Stan Bowman's getting better at that. Mm-hmm. He was not very good at it before, but he's getting better. Yeah, and to win in today's NHL, you need to be able to work the cap to your advantage. And Stan Bowman seems to be doing it. Yeah. So Chicago, I think, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs next year, but they're one of those teams you got to keep they're, your eye yeah, on. Yeah, they're in the conversation. Especially with guys like Taves and Kane, right? Yeah. DeBrincat continues to improve. Strom you know, looks like he's a steal of an acquisition. It's funny to think that Taves, Kane, and Panarin were all on a team at one point. Oh, that team was so stacked. If, I know. You, if you look back at that team, that team was way too good. I mean, <laughs> Corey Crawford was in his Vesna form. You had Hosa, Taze, Vlad, Seabrook. That Keith. team was just stacked. I remember in, I think it was NHL 15 or 13, in one of the years they won the cup, right? It was like, their, I think it was their, their top six and their top, top six forwards and top four defensemen were unmatched by any team in the league. That's how good they were. And I remember, uh, I think it must have been NHL 15, right? 14 or 15, when they had all those guys on one team. I can't remember. But anyways, yeah. that, that's not the important part. Yeah. The important part is is when I'd play NHL with friends, no one would pick the Blackhawks. No. It was kind of an unwritten rule. You don't pick yeah, the Blackhawks. Yeah, they too good. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were too good. <laughs> and, and it's funny looking back on – just a general conversation here. It's funny looking back on Stanley Cup winning rosters, and some of them you're like, you're amazed. How did these guys win the Stanley Cup? And then you look at some other teams, and you say, those guys were a lock to the Cup the whole mm. time. Like the Ducks in 07. Oh, that me, team was stacked. Me as a Sens yeah. fan in 07, I was devastated. <laughs> but you look back on that team now, really, the Ducks were a team of destiny that year. They were, They yeah. were so Yeah. And then there's... To wrap one more thing, then you look at the teams that never won a Stanley Cup. Hmm. Like the 03 Senators. That team was just absolutely stacked. He had Alfredson and Spezza. I believe he still had Yashin at the time. Hmm. He had Mike, young Mike Fisher. He had Chara. I think he still had Hosta. 
I do remember that team. Yeah. That 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 was a very good. That was the best Sens team ever that I can remember. Absolutely. And there and there are people out there. That, Who would you have in that? Laleem. Yeah. Laleem and. I know this. Do you know this? Uh, I used to. I have the team set at home. Who was the backup? I remember getting the hockey cards when I was young. I still have them. I'll have to look. I'll have to look and get back to you on that one. Yeah. But uh, it's funny, looking at the teams that could have been, right? You know, like the 90, uh, was it 92, 93 Leafs? That, you know, the year Gretzky high stick. I think it was 93. That was a pretty darn good Leafs team. Yeah, that was a good team. And With the, Dougie Gilmore. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the the only other one I can think of in terms of senators is there's a lot of people out there that think if if a Hasek didn't get injured in 06, the Sens might have been able to contend that year. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Hasek, a healthy Hasek versus the Sabers in 06, the Sabers had a really good team that year. But I think Hasek, would you who would you rather have in net? Asik or Miller? Oh, and this is in their prime. This that's is tough, man. I mean, I'm I'm a Hashik guy. I believe he's the best of all time. So I gotta say Hashik. Right. But but that is uh, not I know. easy. It's not an easy question. Ryan Miller in his prime was unbelievable. He was the American great. He was so good in yeah. his prime. Yeah. I remember 2010 when they were the, the Olympics, right? Yeah. And I remember being terrified. Uh oh, we're going to overtime. The Americans have all the momentum, and we're facing Ryan freaking Miller. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of let, let's be honest, he kind of laid in a fluky goal. He did. It was a great shot by Sidney Crosby, but yeah, I didn't think that was going in. Anyways, that that o that o five o six team. A lot of Suns fans believe if Hasek had stayed healthy, it would have been a real battle between Cam Ward and Dominic Hasek. That would have been. I think that's fair. Yeah. But I think a lot of people think. That was the year the Suns should have won a Stanley Cup. That in 03, 04. Those, those were the teams that Suns fans look back on and just dread what could have been. But one more hockey thing I want to talk on. There's been a bit of a Twitter thing recently, that, and you tweeted about it. It was, uh, who, were the, who were the starting goalies at your first NHL game? Oh, yes. That, that brought back some good memories. Ooh. Yeah, that that to me that goes back to Maple Leaf Gardens. That was a long time ago. I think it was uh, Cujo versus Jocelyn Tebow. It, yeah, if that gives you an idea of how old I am, it should. Well, mine's was Jocelyn Tebow played for the Blackhawks. Mine was it was still at the Sen. I think the Blackhawks smoked the Leafs that game like seven three, and the Blackhawks had like. Uh, Tony Amante, Chelios. Like, this is a long time ago. Yeah. I got to think here because I was really little when I went to my first hockey game. Yeah. But after doing some digging, and I had to do a lot of digging for this, the, the, the best, the earliest one I can find is Sens versus Habs. Habs won in a shootout 5-4. to four, And the starting goalies were very young Carey Price. So this was coming on a back-to-back for the Habs. Mm. Very young Carey Price. And it was Gerber. Gerber. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember those days too. But it, it, I gotta say, if you if you haven't done this, you gotta think. 
you may have to think hard like I did. Think back to. I had to think pretty hard, yeah. It, yeah. You got to think back and you got to think hard. But it's a lot of fun. It brings back some good memories. Yeah. To think who was starting in net for your first game. Anything else you got to touch on, Mac? Well, we got to talk about one more thing, and I'm amazed that we've held off on it this long. Phil Kessel <laughs> is an Arizona Coyote. Now, here's what's interesting about this trade. A few things. Number one, no salary assumed as part of this trade by Pittsburgh. All of his salary is going to Arizona. Number two... Galchenyuk and Pierre-Olivier Joseph is a significant amount to give up for a Phil Kessel. Number three, all that cap room that the Coyotes once had, gone. They have no cap room. Thoughts? The Coyotes must see something in Phil Kessel. And you and I both know how good Phil Kessel can be. But you certainly gave up a lot for him. I was surprised that Pittsburgh was able to get rid of his entire salary. Uh, I'm like you. That was what was surprising me. I had a feeling Arizona might be in on Phil Castle. I had a feeling from the start. I think I might have called that one, too. We'll have to listen back. I think we both felt Arizona was like the only place he was going to go, right? <laughs> because Minnesota didn't want him. Step Almost aside, every Bob other McKenzie. team was just <laughs> like, we're not paying him $8 million a year for the remainder of his contract. Mac, I think Bob McKenzie needs to step aside. <laughs> we're, we're taking, we're taking but shots. But we're, we're making logical predictions here. Hey, so, so anyways, that, that's part of our show, I, too. I think uh, Phil Castle in Arizona could be a very good move for them if Phil Castle plays well, right? Right. That, I do that's think the question. I, I do think Arizona's a better team than they're letting on. I think that Arizona will be in a playoff contention, at least. I'd like, I, th- I really think they'll be in a playoff spot next year. I really do. I don't know. I was pretty close with that this year. Remember I called that at the start of last season, and they were, I think they ended up two or three points out. I just, I don't know. I, I look at I the West, and feast. it's... It's real tough, man. It's real. It's going to be really know, tough for them the to Pacific. get in there. They're in the Pacific, which I think makes things a bit easier. Yeah. Because. Does it? I think so. Maybe. But it's the, easier than me, the, the Central. Top, for me, the top three teams in the Pacific are pretty good. Oh, yeah. I didn't say they'd be top three. I don't know. I just. I think they're going to be. Well, let, let's. They're going to be like a Chicago. They're going to be in the conversation. But well, I can't well, say through, I feel. That confident. Well, let's go through it very quickly. Okay. Okay, Vegas. Yeah. San Jose. Yeah. I don't think Calgary is going to be as good as they were this year. I really don't. Yeah, maybe. Well, who who rounds out your top three then? Exactly, right? I, I still think Calgary is good enough to be, if, even if they're a third seed in that division. They're better than... I mean, I don't, I don't like the goaltending. You know, we've been clear on that, but I just think the Arizona Coyotes made this move partly because they feel like they have a very good chance of the playoffs, but also because they are going to get a new owner very soon, and the new owner is not just going to let them rebuild every year and you know miss the playoffs every year. Here's the thing, if certain players take a step forward. If Clayton Keller takes a big step forward in his development, that is crucial to me. 
to me, you need some of these younger forwards to be better. You need Keller to be better. You need Kessel. I think you probably need 40 goals from Phil Kessel this year. I don't know if you get that from Phil Kessel. If you play him top line all year and top power play, I think you can probably get that. Yeah. Well, I, well, if you think about it, okay, Vegas, San Jose, you can put Calgary in the conversation. Would you? I don't know if I put Vancouver in there just yet. Mm, no. They're starting to get there, but I no. still think it's going to be another year. They're a little bit worse than Arizona, That's but yeah, you're right. They're getting there. Yeah. Edmonton's doing nothing. L.A. isn't going to do anything. L.A.'s terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and who does that bring you to? Arizona. Yeah. And I don't know if they can get a... Here's the thing. I don't know if they can get a wild card with the strengths of the Central Division. It's tough. It it really is tough. So, so we'll see what happens. But um, I guess... Here, here's the question I'm going to ask. Of the teams that have gotten better or gotten worse between the Winnipegs of the world, the Arizonas, and the Chicagos, who do you feel the best about? Of the West or the East? West. Of the West. Because I think Winnipeg is primed for a big step back. I agree. Uh, I still think Winnipeg will be decent next year. They should be, but they've lost a lot of players. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've lost the top four defensemen. You don't know how much Line and Connor are going to cost you a lot, obviously. I think the only way Winnipeg stays is good as they were. And it year. seems like Ehlers is going to be on the move soon because they they probably need to move his salary. Well, this was the year for Winnipeg, right? They were stacked this year. They just didn't get it done. They got gloried. They lost to the Blues. <laughs> like uh, you look at the teams that have lost to the Blues; those were all super and good the, teams this year. And I actually called that too in my bracket. All my, at least all my friends. I don't know if you did. I don't think you did. No, I had Winnipeg winning. Yeah. Oh, the, I think you looked at me funny, didn't you? I, no, no. I I'll said look. I. I said it's. I. I looked at that series. I was like, both of these teams are really good. I, I could see lot, either one winning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't you. I had a lot of people say Winnipeg's gonna mop the floor with St. Louis. Although I must admit that first series with San Jose, when they almost lost to Vegas, I would have been devastated but the the way they came back and there was the call and all that but you still, still give out they still st- came back very and, strong and you still don't give out four goals on a power play even if it's an extended one no <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i think san jose say san jose is going to be my favorite for the pacific next year yeah they should be and it sounds like timo meyer is going to be there for a while yeah so that'll help them a lot i think that San Jose is your number one favorite. Now, they may still make some moves. I think they will. Probably. I don't know how many. I don't I don't know if they're going to bring back Joe Thornton. We haven't heard anything on that yet, but Yeah. All right. Uh anything else? Well, I think that may yeah. just about do it for the hockey portion of the show, but we're going to talk about some other stuff. So if you were here for the hockey coverage, thank you so much. We appreciate all the listens. Everyone that listened to the show, we saw pretty good numbers. There were some listeners in Sweden. We had some listeners in the UK, Canada, the US. We appreciate each and every one of you. You know where to find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. So now on to some other stuff. 
let's talk about uh, first. Let's talk about Kawhi and the Kawhi watch that is absolutely driving me crazy. It is nonstop. It really it's too much. Let the guy breathe. <laughs> and I, I, listen, you and I are hockey fans, so maybe this is how it works in the NBA. And you and I are admittedly not. We don't watch NBA night in and night out. No. But this is nuts because everybody is. Everybody went nuts yesterday. As soon as the MLS jet landed at Pearson. It was ridiculous. Did, did you turn on CP24 at all yesterday? I was I was following along. Yeah. Um I don't I don't know if I have CP24 on my thing. Anyways, uh, it was basically But it, the whole the whole city of Toronto was basically going crazy when they saw this footage and people were lining up outside of a hotel he may have been staying in and insane it is insane. I, I, I like what the beaverton tweeted out and if you've never heard of the beaverton it's basically the canadian version of the onion and yeah. they have some fantastic headlines and this is a great one here Kawhi leonard issues restraining order on 37 million canadians <laughs> hashtag Kawhi watch hashtag Kawhi update <laughs> yeah but uh, in all seriousness it seems to have come down to three teams here you've got yeah clippers lakers raptors and here's the thing. I don't know if Kawhi really wants to go to the Lakers. All the American pundits are saying Kawhi to the Lakers is going to happen, except Jalen Rose. But here's the thing about L.A. versus, well, the Lakers at least, versus all the other teams, the, the two other teams. The Clippers and the Raptors would let Kawhi play his natural position. If he goes to the Lakers, you know, there's a guy who's one of the greatest of all time and is also a small forward. What are you going to do? Move him to power forward, shooting guard? Well, on Tim, Why? On Tim and Sid, Sid, the report is that during the meeting with L.A., LeBron said, I'll let you play your style. I'm going to be gone in two years, and you can do whatever you want. I don't believe that for a second. I really don't because LeBron James – just from observation, when he goes to your team, you get the players he wants, and you play how he wants you to play. Yeah, so I would say from a from Kawhi's perspective, it the Lakers are out. You've already got Davis and James, and he's shown that he doesn't really want to be part of a super team. No, he never really has. And it been. sounds like a lot of other big name free agents or players that are going to be bought out want to go to L.A. to play with LeBron James. Sounds like Iguodala is going to go to L.A. to play with LeBron. So to me, it's down to the Clippers and the Raptors. I agree, and I like the, what the Clippers have going. I think They're I, an, yeah. I could see them. I know a lot of Canadians don't want to hear this, mm. but I could see the Lakers, sorry, the Clippers as a real threat to take Kawhi. Of course. Because the the way I view the Clippers is they are in a similar situation the Raptors were in last season, where they've got a decent core there already, but they don't have quite enough to get them over the edge, particularly in that tough Western Conference. And Blake Griffin is an incredible basketball player. Mm. I think he is a great player. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> this just shows how much we follow the NBA. Griffin's on the Pistons. Right. I'm thinking of uh, Beverly. Beverly. There's, there's a, the Clippers. Like you mentioned, they haven't built a super team. They've built through the draft. They've signed some free agents, and I think that's what would interest Kawhi in being there because it's, it's a team like the Raptors. They're young enough. They've got a, a good amount of talent. And they let him be the guy. He's the guy there. He's the guy that the offense revolves around. And it's, listen, if I'm Kawhi Leonard, this is a really tough decision because you get the the ability to go home and be around your family and be in L.A. And that has to be great for him because he hasn't really been home since, I guess, he you know left for college. So that that's been a while. He probably he I'm sure he owns property there. Oh yeah, he does. But you don't get to live there full time unless you play for that team. Whereas the Raptors present an opportunity for him to make Toronto his home, a place that has treated him very well despite all the uh, attention and craziness that has been this last few weeks. And uh, the thing with the Clippers is even if you play for the Clippers, you're going to be in the shadow of LeBron James. Yeah. Because LeBron James casts a huge shadow. And Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and those two, are, I, I think, are going to be a real threat to win a championship next year. I still think you got to fill in some depth around them. Yeah. But the Lakers certainly seem like they're going to go all in. They see, the, the sense I get from the Lakers is they see a weakness in the Warriors now that Durant's gone. Oh, the Warriors are for sure not the same anymore. Cousins is not coming back, it seems like. Um, Iguodala's gone. Like, this is not the same Warriors team, plain and simple. No. It's just not. So, they but, still have Steph, and they still have Clay, and that's great. But, I'm sorry, you don't have Durant, you don't have Cousins, you don't have Iguodala. And Durant not to, the same. Durant to New York wasn't surprising. To the Nets, kind of was. I'll tell lot- you, this is the thing I don't like about basketball basketball is the only sport where you can actually build your team through free agency. The fact that the Brooklyn Nets basically built almost their entire starting lineup off of free agency signings is insane. And that's what's kind of unique about basketball because we'll, we'll get on to baseball in a moment. Yeah. But you, you can't really do that in baseball. No, because you've got so many roster positions to fill out and certain positions are much harder to find than others. And especially in baseball, the top tier free agents just aren't available very often. No. Uh, last off season was a real anomaly. Yeah. There were a few real good ones. And even then, you know, Bryce Harper has been okay in Philadelphia, but yeah, not great. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kawhi decides to go to the Clippers. And I don't think a lot of people would be upset of him. If he decided to go to the Clippers, I, th- I feel like there'd be more outrage if he decided to go to the Lakers. And I feel like the Lakers probably gave him a pretty good pitch. Probably. And yeah. let's be honest. If you're, if you're a top free agent, let me picture yourself here, Mac, you're a top free agent and LeBron James comes and meets with you and says, look, you can come and play with me. We can win championships together. You'll live in LA where it never snows and you're going to make a lot of money. That's a pretty good pitch. But I don't see Kawhi as that type of guy. And rumors are he's not doing it. It's not all about the money for him at this point. 
Of course, he wants a good payday. Mm. Let's not kid ourselves here. But I think he's going to do what's best for his family and what he feels is going to be best for his career. And I think Toronto and L.A. do offer two really good opportunities for him. Yeah. But I think, and of course, this is where the bias comes in. I do think Toronto is his better opportunity because they're established championship, mm-hmm. right? They've won the championship. Yeah, and, and they're an established elite team. And let's be honest, even with the Nets having Durant now, Durant's not going to be playing next season. He yeah. may never be the same player he he was before that injury. Yeah, we'll find out. Exactly. Time will tell for that one. So if you look at the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia still is pretty good. Milwaukee. Philadelphia, to me, is the real threat to Toronto, not Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's good, but I think they've lost a lot of guys in free agency this year, and they're not the same. No. One guy went to Europe. Um, Brogdon signed with another team. Like Lopez is a free agent. Yeah, not Lopez. the same team. You look at Philly, there's really no changes except maybe Jimmy Butler, but... The Philly's still a really good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the East has gone a bit better this offseason versus where they were a few weeks ago. But yeah, besides Philly, maybe I don't think Boston truly is a threat yet. Not as much as they were, no. Well, they lost Kyrie. and uh, But they, all indications were he was going to go. Everyone kind of knew it. Um, well, he kind of... Uh, Said something when he first got there that uh, will continue to tick off Celtics fans to this day. He basically said that if things go as as they should, I would not be uh, unwilling to sign a long term contract. So as this was as soon as he was brought into Boston, and then he leaves <laughs> in the offseason. That can't feel too good. No, but I, I agree with you. I think Raptors. And 76ers are your two top two teams next year. Yeah. Yeah. And one more thought on basketball. Okay. Let's say Kawhi doesn't sign in Toronto. Hmm. What do you do now? See, that's what I've been trying to figure out. Because if I you, feel like Masai must have a plan B, right? Like, he's, he's got too smart. it. Right. He's, too, he's a very smart guy. So the question is, who is available because it's probably a trade. There's no free agents left that are able to fill that amount of production, I guess. No. Um, So who is it that they'd be targeting? It's tough because a lot of the big names that could fill that hole left by Kawhi don't sound like they're on the move, right? Mm. You know, Kawhi Leonard coming to Toronto was a very rare situation where a superstar wasn't happy with where he was and he wanted to leave, right? Yeah. Now, I've heard there's very silent rumors that Andrew Wiggins may want out of Minnesota. I don't see anything about that, but but Wiggins isn't a Kawhi Leonard. Not the same, no. Yeah. So, that's, I think to me as a, well, I don't know if I'm that much of a Raptors fan, but and I think that's part of the reason why so many people want him to stay because even in the NHL, you know. But anyone will follow a championship team. And I think the Raptors know that this is so important. They, they're they going to do everything in their power to convince him to stay. 
And, and I, I still have a pretty good feeling that he will. And listen, he was quoted as saying recently in his meeting with Masai, and this is legit, this is from Sportsnet, he did not say anything about leaving. He said, I only have one question, and that's how can we make the team better? So now, now here's where it gets real interesting. Because if you've got Kawhi and he signs on for, let's say, five years max deal, and he says to you, Masai, how can we get better? Then, to me, that's an even more intriguing situation because you say to yourself, how much better could the Raptors get if they wanted to? I think Pascal Siakam is going to become even better. Oh, yeah. He's on the upswing, and he's going to get even better. Marcus Gasol... He, he's kind of where he is now, and I think that's okay. I think, to me, if, if I had to say how they could get better, I think you need a legit shooting guard. That's it. That's all you need. Because you don't have one right now. Danny Green is more of a role player, more of a bench guy that can come off the bench and shoot threes, and I don't think Danny Green's coming back. Uh, well, he was quoted as saying that he was going to wait to see what Kawhi did. Yeah, but... Well, if, if let's... Let's think here. If you can get Danny Green on a decent deal, I'd bring him back. I wouldn't bring him back on a big money deal. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, like, you look at the rest of the lineup. You've got your, your point guard, Kyle Lowry. You've got your you've got Kawhi. You've got Siakam. And you've got Gasol. There's your starters. And then you've got your bench with Van Vliet, uh, Ibaka, uh, Powell, and the rest of those guys. So there's only one position that you could really improve, and that's shooting guard. So I'll be fascinated and very hopeful that they can improve that position if they sign Kawhi. The other thing about Kawhi, if he stays in Toronto, that bodes well for the Raptors for a long, long time, even after he stop, Kawhi stops playing in Toronto, because mm-hmm. it proves big-name free agents want to play in Toronto. Because there's, there's, there's almost this kind of feeling in the American media that because Toronto is not in the U.S., big-name free agents never want to sign there. And I think having Kawhi Leonard sign in Toronto will change that drastically. And the funny thing that I've noticed about the American media, to wrap up here, is their big reason why Kawhi shouldn't sign in Toronto is in Canada. It's... I don't even want to talk like about Stephen how much a. Smith. I just like Stephen A. Smith and all those hot, like Skip Bayless. These guys are trolls. Well, you know, Stephen A. Smith, I'll admit I was wrong about Blake Griffin. I'll admit I'm not a big basketball guy. But Stephen A. Smith is paid $10 million a year mm. to talk basketball. And he gets it wrong sometimes. But, you know, the, the big thing about Stephen A. Smith, I don't mind him yelling. That's perfectly fine. My problem is, is a lot of the time, he'll come out and make claims, right? He'll he'll have a report, but he won't have any source, right? Basically, he'll come out with fake news, right? And I have nothing about against reports coming out and then them being proven wrong, but you need to at least have a source, right? You know where I'm getting at with this, Mac? To me, he's... I'll say this about Stephen A. Smith. He's clearly an intelligent man, and he's he's thought he's thought this out very well for himself. He's he's put himself in this position of this guy who just does hot takes all the time because that's what people want. I don't know why that's what people want, but that's where our sports talk industry is headed. 
and he you sometimes you'll see him do like a like an interview off like with a smaller reporter i don't know like i've seen him do interviews before where he's not on his show he's just being interviewed by someone else and he's very calm very intelligent very relaxed i wish i could see that stephen a smith more because i enjoy that that stephen a smith this stephen a smith that yells at people and stuff like that is is the worst kind. Uh, and recently, when the Knicks missed out on Durant and all that, and all those free agents, he tweeted out a video of himself. This was him being perfectly honest. Like, he was upset. He was sad. He was basically crying in this video, saying he'd been a lifelong fan of the Knicks, and the fact that they haven't done anything in almost 50 years is a disgrace. And hey, he's not wrong. That that's a tough team to be a fan of. I just wish we would see that version of him more often. Maybe we will. I don't know. But the fact that he's got this narrative going that Toronto's not the team to sign for because it's in Canada. Get off your high horse, man. Seriously. Yeah. If you're gonna say Kawhi won't sign in Toronto because a lot of the role players are up for free agency next season. That's a valid point. I think it's a very valid point. Kyle Lowry's up for a contract and whatnot. All right. So before we end the, the Kawhi stuff, here's the latest from Chris Broussard. Raptors had strong meeting yesterday with Kawhi. Drake was involved. <laughs> Talk of having Kawhi involved with his record label. Ooh. Uh, Kawhi is soul-searching. He's interested in the Lakers, but he doesn't know if the fit will work. The Clippers are out. It's between the Lakers and the Raptors. Ooh. So that's from him. Now wait, that's not that's not it's not it. Now here from Yahoo Sports Canada report. Raptors have Kawhi's trust over Lakers. Well, so that's the latest. And after what happened in LA this season, that doesn't surprise me at all. The whole mess that happened with Magic Johnson. Yeah. And L.A. is a mess even with Anthony Davis now. Yeah, their their whole front office is uh, is a bit of a mess. And I, I like what some of the American media said on first take. They said the big thing the Raptors have going for them is the run as a corporation, right? It's not like you have a Eugene Melnick who solely owns the Sens and can make all the decisions. The Higher-ups at MLSE leave the basketball decisions to Masai Ujiri. Yep. And I think that bodes well for the rap. All right, so that's going to do it for basketball. Let's talk uh, a little bit of baseball. Home run derby coming up, and I think this year especially is, is actually going to be a fun one for the home run derby. I think putting in Vlad is great, not only as a Blue Jays fan. I think it's huge for Major League Baseball. I think you got to have some of the youth in there, because over the past couple of seasons, especially after Judge won the home run derby a couple of years ago and then had a slump the second half of the season, a lot of the big-name hitters kind of were iffy about going to the home run derby. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, that's always been a superstition. I've never quite understood it because, no. to me, that, that means you're not going to the home run derby. means you don't trust yourself to continue hitting home runs and being a good player after that. I think players take it too seriously. I think 
you've got to go there and have fun and just see what happens. Well, if you go Maybe on, you have a terrible home run derby. It happens. Move on. Be a professional athlete. Go hit some more home runs in the second half. Well, if you, uh, the, the key to winning the home run derby nowadays, in my opinion, is you have to go out there and you just have to go free swinging. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. You're there, you're there to have a good time. And basically the only condition is just don't get hurt. <laughs> but I don't think we've ever seen anybody get hurt. At home no. <laughs> no. <laughs> they get slow pitched. Yeah. 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 And if you're a competent hitter, you're going to hit those out of the park quite easily. Oh, yeah. And, and specifically this year, I mean, I'll admit I haven't really been following baseball a lot the last couple of years, but it's amazing how much the game has changed. You've gone from a game that was really dominated by the elite pitchers and closers to a game that is completely dominated by offense, and the amount of elite pitchers has really gone down over the last couple years. I mean, if you just look at the home run leaderboards this year, you've got a guy with 30 home runs in Christian Yelich, who's also in that home run derby. And then there's almost, I think it's like 25, 26 other guys with at least 20 home runs. That's insane. And then there's Vlad Guerrero with eight. Yeah. But he's not in there because he's hit 20 home runs in the first half of the season. He's in there because they know how much power he's got. Exactly. Yeah. It, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see it, but on Twitter, the Blue Jays posted a photo, a video of Guerrero yeah. taking batting practice. Yeah, he gets them a long way. Yeah. He can smoke them. Yeah. And it's in Cleveland this year, and Cleveland's a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark. Oh, yeah. So the ball should just fly out of there, especially on a nice night. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good about Guerrero's chances in the home run derby. I don't think he'll win it. Mm. But... I mentioned off the top of the show before we started that if Guerrero ends up winning the home run derby, imagine how much that would mean for not only Guerrero, but the Blue Jays, right? It would be a distraction from this season, for sure. And it's been a horrible. <laughs> it's been horrible, yeah. It's been really can we Can we rant on the Blue Jays real quick? Go, go for it. You can... Why doesn't Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro understand that it's fine to draft all these prospects and develop them. I don't think any Blue Jays fan is complaining about that. But then you you put all these guys out there and you assemble this major league roster that has zero pitching depth, a mediocre bullpen, and if you just put a little more effort into it, the, the Blue Jays could at least be competing, maybe around 500. The, basically... Unless they get, you know, home runs from, like, Vlad and Biggio and a good pitching performance, Gurriel's they're not going to win. Gurriel's been a surprise. But if you, like, to me, other than Marcus Stroman, their rotation is horrendous. But Sanchez isn't bad when he's healthy. Sanchez hasn't been good for years. Hmm. Apparently, they have a decision to make on him if they're going to uh, send him down to the minors or not, and they have to make it by her to his Monday. Hmm. So that'll be interesting. Well, there, there are also rumors that they want to trade Stroman. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about those. Yeah. I uh, like Stroman. I, I think, think he's, he's a, your best He's a damn right good now. pitcher, yeah. yeah. Because after Stroman, you don't have much of a starting rotation. No. Uh, you're right on that. 
the starting rotation after him dropped off significantly. And a prime example is they had Edwin Jackson. Now, I know he's on the IL right now. And you, you, you bring in these guys like Edwin Jackson, Clayton Richard. Why? In six starts, he is 1-5 in five with a 12.43 ERA. Oh, yeah. And I'm not a hater of Edwin Jackson, but he shouldn't be a starting pitcher. He should No, he's not good enough to be in the league. No. And the, the, and what he is is a guy you can have uh, as a backup option if one of your starters gets injured that can give you some innings. And even really, then, he really hasn't not really much. given you some innings. But that's it. That That's as, as much as he can be right And now. I'll be critical of Charlie Montoyo here. Hmm. He uh, so Edwin Jackson goes out, and I think it was three straight starts, three or f- four straight starts, and he gave up six or more runs, mm. and rather easily. Yeah, you keep sending him out. But no, that may be there may be something to do with Atkins and Shapiro there, but maybe, I wouldn't send him out. But I don't think they have anything else. That's the problem. I think if he had something else, he'd gladly send it out. He's got nothing to work with. <laughs> when it comes back to management, right? <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was Blue Jays. Frustrating. But you know, you know what's frustrating? If you're the Phillies, you go all in on Bryce Harper. Mm. And he's hit a decent amount of home runs. He's hit 16. But other than that, 243 batting average isn't really all that great, especially for the money you're paying for him. No, and I said the only way he'd be worth it is if he has, like, MVP caliber years, and that's just not happening. It's not happening at all. The Phillies aren't a horrible team. They're 45 and 41, I believe. But I think they really... – no, they felt they were going to be leading the division at this point. And then the Braves are. The Braves have been pretty The Braves good. are a better team than the Phillies. I agree. The, yeah. The Braves, I, I have a few, good feeling they're going to win the NL East this year. Agreed, yeah. And – and then there's the uh, NL Central. That that's interesting because the Cubs are still kind of in it, but I don't think the Cubs have been very good this year. No. Uh, I think this is the Brewers' year to. I think if they can get keep things going and have a good postseason, I think they could be a real contender this year. Yeah. Because we saw mm-hmm. signs of it last year. And before we wrap up here on the podcast, we do want to mention. Um, uh, a couple days ago, uh, Tyler Skaggs, 27 years that was, old. That was shocking. Yeah. Dead. I, I can't believe it. And mm-hmm. I I think everybody was, like you said, just shocked. And to lose someone that young, mm-hmm. a guy who was, by all accounts, a great person, very well respected. He just got married. Mm-hmm. Can't imagine. I a really fantastic can't. Fantastic pitcher. Yeah. Heard he was a fantastic guy off the field. Yeah. I'm I'm happy to see the Angels are really rallying around his passing right now. They had a great series in Texas. Uh, I think that Skaggs will be the rally point for them for the year, and as he should be, right? They win for him, right? Yep. And I think that the baseball community has really rallied around what has happened. Yeah. Ba- baseball is a very tight-knit community. Always has been, yeah. And that's one thing I love about baseball, right? And, you know, you see guys run out to first, and they, they're they having laughs with the, the opposing team. And 
a, a lot of players had a lot of respect and were good friends with Tyler Skaggs. So certainly has hit the majors very hard. All right. I think that's going to do it. So thank you again for listening. This was our kind of basketball, baseball portion of the show. We, we talked about hockey for a good hour and 10 minutes, had a lot to cover. We hope you enjoyed it. We certainly did. Uh, have a happy 4th of July to all our American listeners and followers. We appreciate all of you. For Matt, I'm Max signing off. Enjoy the offseason, guys.